Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alindavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred, where we believe that when we recognize our interconnectedness with one another, we are able to achieve higher levels of wellness for ourselves and our communities. In this show, we explore the question of mental wellness and share the help we have received. It is through this sharing that we hope to inspire others to experience their own wellness. Freeman is an entrepreneur and stress management coach. Welcome, Freeman. He has seen the impact of stress on friends and family. Digging into his own life has brought out the question of how we can learn to control it. He now helps other people build the framework to not only gain control over their stress, but to achieve higher levels of focus and performance and get time back into their lives. So, Freeman... I'm really excited for you to be on my show today because we've crossed paths a bunch of different times and it's just really, um, I'm really glad to know you and I'm excited about the work that you do. I was inspired earlier this year and you know that I started out the 365 days of creativity and then this week you came out with a post or a, a, a newsletter actually talking about your experience and you had just hit your 365 days, right? And so you were talking about all of the lessons that you've learned. And I was really impressed. I was like, yeah, I had to like stop after a certain amount of time. I just had way too many balls in the air. And so that was something that I let drop. But I'm like impressed that you kept it going. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's first off, it's amazing to be on here. Um, and thank you so much for that as well. It was a journey for sure um, to do that many days in a row to never miss one. I think you learn more about yourself than you're ever aware that you're going to when you take on a challenge that big. Yeah. What, what were some of the hardest like days or times or like how, how did you kind of get through like the, the days when you were like, yeah, no, I don't really feel like it. Or like, are there like tricks or like shortcuts? Or <laughs> I, Yeah. I had to discover a few tricks. I would be aware of sort of how much, I could give on that given day. So oftentimes if I was feeling really good, I would schedule that post to do that post really early in the day. But oftentimes as you get through a day and you use a lot of your energy to do regular life things at the end of the day, and I would be, it would be like 1130 sometimes. And I'm like, I have to post today. And those are the days where I would just use a quote or I would reference to an article or a podcast I'd listen to. And that way I wouldn't have to use that creative energy. Uh, and instead, I could potentially use that later on. So that's kind of one of the ways I tried to make it a little easier on myself and give myself that that leeway that I needed. Yeah. And so your content is all about positivity, but it's not just about positivity. There's like educational stuff in there. There's 
like brain-based stuff in there. Like I'm really impressed a lot of times about like the depth of the stuff that's in there. Cause sometimes like we think about just like, um, oh, well just think more positive, but like you kind of help kind of bridge that for people and give them more information than that. Yeah. One of my biggest things when I first started doing, um, my 365 days was, I wanted people to be able to take action on the information I gave them. It's easy to learn a lot. It's easy to read a lot of books. It's easy to get that learning momentum going. The harder step for people, generally speaking, is the action step. And that was one thing that I'm always aware of still to this day is how can I make sure the information I'm giving people is not only useful to them, but is something that they can take and that they can start doing and is an easy first step because that's often the hard part of that first initial little bit of momentum it takes to get going. I have sort of like a curveball question and I was thinking about this in advance. I was like, maybe I should like tell him that I'm going to throw him a curveball, but no. I was like, no, I, I think we can <laughs> handle this. So like one of the things that I run into a lot of times is um, this idea of like toxic positivity. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of where my take on that is. I kind of want to hear what your take is on it. The, the toxic positivity, that idea. Mm, such a good question. It is a hot topic that it comes up a lot when you start dealing with positivity and this whole idea that we just have to think ourselves to be happy, which I don't agree with uh, mm. right out the gate. I believe that being positive is a series of actions, it's a series of habits, and it's a series of skills that you actually practice and work on. It's not something that you just have. One of my favorite ways of thinking about this is people are like, oh, you just have to choose to be happy. And I'm like, that's like choosing to build a house. Like it doesn't work. You can't just decide to have a house and you have a house. You have to build it still. And I think positivity is the same way. The issue around toxic positivity really kind of boils down to the fact that what it does to people, that idea that you just need to feel and be happy and then you will be, makes them feel like they're not, they're doing something wrong by not being happy. If it was that easy to be happy, we would all just be happy all the time. And I think putting that message forward kind of gives the wrong idea that even us who are more positive, we still have micro negativity, but we aim to have macro positivity. I think that's really where that really important um, definitive difference is, is that it's not always good. It's just that it's more good than it is bad. So what are some of those things that you recommend in terms of like how to build happiness because if it's not like oh well I'm just gonna like think my way towards being more positive like what are some things that actually build that Freeman yeah um so some of the things that are that start to do it are around this concept that I'm really big on and it's the idea of and people listening haven't heard of it yet go deep dive because it's amazing but it's called neuroplasticity and it's this concept that we can actually change the wiring of our brain and actually affect the neural pathways so if you start doing things in your life actively that make you notice more positive things and make you feel more grateful, then you will start to do that stuff more often just naturally. But you have to make it a habit first. So one of the easiest ways to do this, this is my favorite one, and it's full of all types of studies about people doing this. But you simply write down three things at the end of your day that went well. And don't complicate it. Don't make it really challenging. It can be a good sandwich that you had, a conversation with a loved one, or even the fact that the sun was shining, like don't make it complicated. What you do is you begin to train the neural pathway in your brain that recognizes positive, positive things throughout your life. And then you begin to notice those positive things more instead of just trying to be happier. 
Yeah. So then like you just make that a practice in your day to day. I guess like for the people that struggle with practices like that, like what would you say? Yeah, I would say that it's okay to struggle with them. First off, like we all struggle with something. You are never good at something when you first start, right? All of us struggled when we first started walking, for example. I think it's an easy thing for people to kind of go back to. It's something we've all shared. And it's okay to falter. It's okay to fall down. The trick is you kind of get back up and you keep trying. So if you have missed a few days of that positive journaling, that's okay. If the positive journaling isn't working for you, try something else as well. There's no like right answer. There's no silver bullet. So if the positive journaling isn't working for you, then maybe it's gratitude. If you're having a hard time remembering to do gratitude, set four alarms throughout the day that just say, hey, what are you grateful for? And then that alarm comes up and you go, oh yeah. But don't be super hard on yourself and allow yourself the ability to take the small steps that are needed to have the big change instead of yeah. trying to think you need a big change just immediately. Yeah, I was just thinking about a conversation that I had with a client earlier who was talking about uh, the expectations that he had for himself. And he was saying how, well, I need to be more scheduled or more like routined and I need to have a quote unquote, like a healthier routine. But this is somebody who has achieved so much in the last year and a half and hasn't necessarily followed like what somebody would um, dictate as like, this is the prescribed rule of routines. And then like when I pointed out to him that he had this really high expectation for himself and that that was creating this cycle of um, almost like self-abuse where he was telling himself like, well, he's not enough or he's not worthy because he had set up this expectation for himself and he wasn't following through with it. At that point, then he realized, oh, okay, well, if I eliminate some of that expectation and I realize like, hey, there's actually like a lot of things that I'm doing really well, then like he's he's living under a different paradigm with himself. There's more access to joy and happiness at that point. Yeah. And it's interesting that you you bring that up because I just recently was reading something somewhere about this practice you can do that really enforces that because we do often get lost in this like, oh, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Look at all the things I haven't done. And then we easily forget the sometimes exhaustive list of stuff that we've done in the past. So I think it's a really good habit to start writing those things down often. Like, oh, what did I do that was really cool? Or if you find yourself in that position of like kind of starting that negative spiral, like just take a few seconds to write down some of the things you have achieved. And then you can look at that and you can use that as momentum to continue to achieve new and farther things instead of kind of forgetting about those things. And the cool thing is if you put this in a journal and you do this kind of day after day, is that now you have a whole book essentially of, of undisputable evidence of your own achievements. And that mm -hmm. can be hugely motivational for people. Yeah. One of the little tricks to this that I figured out for myself was that when I started keeping, um, and I don't do this now, but I still have the same concept. When I started keeping um, a paper calendar, then I had both checklists on the calendar and also the calendar itself. And when I could flip back through the calendar and look at 
all of the appointments and all of the tasks and everything that I had done, some of the um, feelings of like, I hadn't done enough or that, um, you know, that I was falling behind or anything like, like these kind of like scary alarm bells that go off in my mind that at that point, those things, um, you know, sometimes I still kind of like fall behind a little bit here and there, but I've learned that it's not helpful to like beat myself up about it or tell myself that there's anything wrong with me because of it. It's like, we're all kind of swimming. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting that you put it like that too, as well. Um, I've been talking with a lot of people recently and that level of self-awareness that you just talked about having is remarkable. And it's something that people again need to understand that is a, is a skill that you build and you, you have. And I think it's a really important one as well. Self-awareness is incredibly powerful and doing these habits and these daily things can let you have that self-awareness. It lets you be aware of, Hey, I'm not feeling the way I normally feel. Hey, something's off and something's out. And that enables you to start to look and explore for things that will fix it. But really kind of cultivating that self-awareness is super important. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things that you're doing Freeman to cultivate your, your self-awareness? So I am a big proponent of my nighttime journaling and I write about two pages every single night. And I want to be clear that right now I write two pages, but I, I didn't. When I first started writing, it was literally three things and it could have been three anything. I just wrote three things down each day and it was about that for probably about six months. And then it became kind of nine things. And now it's nine things with an explanation. But one of those things or three of those nine things are what have I learned that day? And what do I have to do tomorrow? And that enables me to look at that in a, in a sense of, okay, what went really well and what did I learn, but also what do I need to work on to achieve the things that I want to? That's a good step. And an easier one, if people don't like journaling, cause I feel like I've been talking about writing things down a lot. A neat thing to do is to sort of de-associate yourself or disassociate yourself, sorry with the voice in your brain. Like we are not our thoughts, we are our actions. And a neat trick to do this that I learned from a neuroscientist is literally give the voice in your brain a different name because that voice, those thoughts again, aren't you. So you can give that voice a different name. And then when it comes up with a thought that might be negative or self-deprecating or something that you don't agree with, you can just be like, oh, that's just Tony. That's Tony thinking that's not Freeman or that's not Aubrey. That's somebody else. <laughs> What's yours? Is yours Tony? <laughs> uh, mine's mine's a Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where the name came from, to be honest with you. But uh... it's just it's it's funny that it was Tony because um, when my son was little there, we we ended up getting a dog just for a short period of time. It ended up not working out. and We didn't realize like, you know, it was a bad idea. And um, <laughs> there's a whole story, but my son was very young and he learned, he was like saying the words like Tommy, Tommy, like that. And so we ended mm -hmm. up calling the dog Tony. And so when you say his name was Tony, like I start thinking of my son who was like 18 months old at the time, like kind of like with this, this dog that was like all energy and like licking on him and knocking him over. <laughs> um, <laughs> And sometimes like scaring him, but most of the time just wanting to be a puppy and loving on him. It really wasn't like a good fit was what it came down to. But it was just like a cute 
time. So that idea of like your voice in your head being a Tony just made me giggle. <laughs> being a cute, being a cute puppy dog. It's funny that that's what it is because for the person who identified this as a, I'm going to, I wish I knew his name. I can't think of it right now, but he actually uses the voice of, he had a pet weasel when he was a kid. And that's what he weasel? uses the voice for. Yeah. <laughs> this pet weasel when he was a kid. So it's funny that, uh, that Tony was uh, a pet dog for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. For a short period of time, part of the reason that we had to rehome him was just the, and this kind of sounds superficial and probably not a lot of people are going to like me because of this, but, um, our, the area where we lived was, um, it was clay mud and he would run outside and he would go dig these holes. And so in our yard, there were these big clay mud holes. And then he would come into the house and our house was like all painted like a light gray. And he would go through and like shake. And like so regularly, our house was being covered in mud. And it was creating a lot of stress in the environment where we mm. lived. So it was like. <laughs> I think I think that that's actually really important. And I'm glad that you brought it up because I'm really big on people understanding and because I think we don't do this very well as individuals like set boundaries say no yeah. to things like you have to because if you don't then those things can potentially take over your life and we briefly mentioned at the beginning of this conversation we talked a little bit about time energy and focus and stuff like that yeah. and we don't give our focus enough attention we don't set boundaries in place to where our focus goes we often get caught in things like oh I need to manage my time better and I need to allocate time to do x y and z and, mm -hmm. and i always remind people what about your focus though like you're yeah. allocating time but what are you allocating your focus to and when your focus is being absorbed by a dog that's bringing clay into your house that might need to be a boundary that you set up and like you said it might you know deter people and people you know might be off put by it but if it betters you as an individual and then allows you to better others then ultimately that's a good thing and it can be challenging, but I think it's really important for people to consider. Freeman, you always put such a positive spin on things. And I really enjoy talking to you for that reason, because like, as we were talking about that, I was thinking like, well, I was telling him earlier about this 365 days of creativity that I stopped doing. Right. And then I also was talking about how we like got a dog and then we gave the dog up because like it wasn't a good idea. And people are going to think like, oh, well, you know, here's the people are going to think. Right. But mm -hmm. people are going to think, um, well, like she starts things and stops things a lot. And here's what I tell a lot of my clients is especially the ones who have kids because I work with kids a lot. It's like I think it's OK to like try things. It's like fail forward fast. Right. Like I think it's OK to try things and realize like, hey, this isn't where I want to spend my time or my energy or, hey, maybe I do want to spend my time and energy here. But this just isn't a good time for doing this thing. And now I need to make sure that I set it up in my life in such a way that it's going to support that. So, yeah. you know, it everything is always like a learning experience. And sometimes we do have to say no. And, and part of the process is learning to say no in a way that is um, efficient and kind towards everyone involved. Mm. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Um, 100%, you have to try things. You have to test things. Otherwise, how will you ever know? Right. So I'm glad you brought that up um, because it's both in life, in your self-development and in business. Like you have to be willing to adapt and change when things aren't working or if you know that something will work better. And that's totally fine. I think people should learn to be comfortable with that. For people who struggle with saying no to things, 
people who are really empathetic, I'm one of these individuals, so I understand. It can be hard sometimes. Like, I don't want to say no because I might hurt their feelings, something like that. There's a neat little hack to this. And that's instead that you kind of set rules and boundaries for yourself. So if you set a rule, let's say the rule is I only take on five projects a month or five clients or whatever it may be. When somebody comes to you with something else, you can simply say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I have a rule, I only take on five projects. And weirdly, when you put it that way, suddenly people respect it because it's a rule that you hold yourself to and people find that really respectful and they find that level of self-discipline impressive. So instead of saying no, you just say, oh, so I only have a rule where I only do, you know, X number of these things. That is, that is a really awesome hack. That's actually what I started doing recently. And, and one of the ways that we, it's similar, but different, right? And so one of the ways that we know each other, Freeman, is through the LinkedIn community. And I'm still really excited to know everybody that I know. But I have stopped um, attending like Unicorn Universe related things because I realized that it was a place where I was putting a lot of time and energy that wasn't benefiting my business and realized that my business is mostly local and I need to do a lot more um, building of relationships locally. And so um, that's that was the rule that I set up really was like, well, if it doesn't fit in this world of like, does it benefit the local community that I'm serving, then it, is it really something that I want to be spending a lot of time and energy and effort on? And so that's been the new rule that I've kind of created for myself and my business. And that's an important thing right now, because I realized that when people are going very quickly in a lot of different directions, then that means that it's actually taking time away from what they're trying to spend their focus on in that moment. So it's a really important balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. If you, once you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Exactly. Freeman, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, for those of us who are listening in, like, where can we find out more information about you? And I know you do some coaching and you do some groups and things like that. So how can people learn more about all of that? For sure. So everything is on my social and everything is essentially at Freeman Beals. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram at Freeman Beals. You can find me at my website at freemanbeals.com. And if you're looking as well to get a hold of my newsletter, you can find that at um, substack.freemanbeals.com. Keep it easy okay. for everybody. And just to clarify, right, there's a lot of E's and A's. So it's free man. And then Correct. Beals is like a like B-E-A-L-S. Yes. Yeah. Free man. And then Beals, which is deals, but with a B. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And for those who like this show and they want to learn more, um, go to bizradio.us and be sure to subscribe. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.